0: There's a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town
1: called Bel-Air
0: Hey ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Living the Stream I'm JJ Zacharyson, and I'm joined of course by my favorite co-host, Denny Carter Denny, what's cracking, man?
1: Uh, not much. I'll take that as a compliment, seeing that I'm your only co-host. But uh, mostly, right now, I'm just exhausted from the 15-day uh, uh, slow, slow mock draft we have going. I mean, I, I literally haven't slept since it began. So I'm, I'm, I'm insane with lack of sleep at this point.
0: Yeah, I've kind of felt the same way. I've been uh, waking up every three or four minutes during the <laughs> night to just check and see who who is selected. Uh, and actually actually you know we're we're going to get into this into this mock draft that's kind of why we're doing the podcast tonight in a way and then we're just going to kind of talk about some other things um and uh, you know apparently there's a storm coming my way right now so if you hear thunder my dog barking or some loud hail noises in the background you'll know it's probably just uh god <laughs> getting upset that i drafted aaron rodgers in the 5th round of that mock
1: draft oh man yeah that 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 is that's enough for eternal anger i think oh yeah
0: so uh let's let's kind of jump into that real quick. You know, there's a lot of of real mock drafts going on right now as in the NFL mock drafts, but we as degenerates, as you would like to call them, uh right. call us. Right. We uh we're actually doing fantasy mock drafts, which is kind of pathetic since it's April and we've been doing them since like the end of January, which is just absurd. <laughs> um and so you know, Denny, with uh, uh, through SportsJerks.net, dot net, kind of set up a nice little mock draft. Uh, I was part of it, and some other guys. So, Denny, you want to just kind of introduce it? Who was a part of it, and why you decided to do it?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to set up a kind of a standard twelve twelve person draft, and I didn't want it to all be fantasy writers. I wanted to throw in, uh, I don't, I don't know how you'd say it nicely, uh, non obsessives, casual owners. I, uh, nothing against the other four. In fact, you know, uh, mentally they're much healthier than, than, than the eight writers that I included, including JJ. So, uh, I, um, I included, uh, obviously, uh, uh, JJ, myself, um, and this was for Sports Jerks Network, which I, I've done one other mock draft for them, um, back in February, but this one was much more informative, um uh John D. Beckler, uh who's very active on Twitter and uh pretty much like a fountain of knowledge about uh, fantasy. Zach Law, who is like the the Mike Wallace of fantasy, not the receiver, but the 60 Minutes reporter who uh Zach has a uh, a great book with a, a compilation of all his interviews uh from uh, uh some of the best uh fantasy minds around it. Um it's really it's really worth a read and I only get fifteen percent of the cut, so that's why I'm I'm mentioning it. Uh Rich uh who who is goes by at Lord Reebs on uh Twitter. He's kind of like um like a little secret on uh on Twitter. Uh, uh doesn't have uh, a ton of followers, but he really should because uh he, he dishes out fantastic information uh especially during the season. Uh, I, I picked up a lot of uh, really good tidbits uh to write about from him. Uh so uh you know follow Lord Reeves uh when you get a chance. Um some other uh, let's see some other writers here. Uh oh uh Travis Rowe, um who goes by at GoPro uh FS24. He's um he's a really he's he he kind of mixes like poker strategy and fantasy football. So you see how I can get into that. Uh, and and he's uh he's kind of a fantasy fiend the guy plays every fantasy game out there uh so strategy wise he's top notch
0: yeah i think I think travis of all the guys that we probably drafted with with this kind of aligns with our mentality with fantasy football and the uh the idea that we're clearly addicts in some way and uh that that whole notion of of looking at it kind of conceptually rather than just you know looking at player analysis and 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 looking at it only strategy is kind of that higher level way of thinking. I Travis is a great guy. You guys should follow him on, tr- on Twitter for sure.
1: Yeah, d- definitely. He he'll, he'll actually talk you down from the ledge while informing you. It's it's really he's really good. Um and then uh of course uh Sal from uh from Sports Jerks. He's uh he goes by at @2qbffb. He's a t- uh, a two quarterback league Savant. I mean, the guy has, like, spreadsheets with more information than I've ever seen about anything uh, based on his uh, projections for two QB leagues. Uh, I'm actually probably going to pay him to manage my two QB team this year. Um, he's kind of freakish in that way. Uh, of course, uh, Nick Mencio from, from Roto World uh, participated. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad he jumped in. Uh, I think we're all sort of getting to know Nick um, over the last few months. And uh, he's been really good in the off season with a lot of free agent news. Uh, yeah, I mean, just on top of it all the time. Um, I think did did I cover the eight there? I think I did. I think that's it.
0: Yeah, I think that's 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 everyone that uh, participated. I, the the thing that I really liked about the mix that you had there, and I know you kind of mentioned it that you had four guys that aren't necessarily writers per se in the fantasy space, but I think even the eight guys that were chosen are. Quite different in the way that you know you got someone like Nick who is in, an insane film watcher, and you have guys like you or me who might be more of that uh, strategy, th- those strategy thinkers. And then you know I I just think it was a, a good mix. Uh, so what what I kind of wanted to do with the podcast, what we what we wanted to do, I shouldn't say I. That's not very polite. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, is is just kind of go through what happened in this mock draft, and we'll go through uh you know arbitrarily through from round one through six uh and kind of give who we thought was a good good draft selection uh give some feedback and and some analysis on that, who was the worst and then you know as we get towards the the end of the draft, there were some some common themes, and I think Denny and I will both have um some deeper thinking involved with with what happened there, so I guess let's kick it off um round one seemed to go pretty pretty usual it was a pretty standard uh draft in round 1. Um I guess I'll I'll start with my favorite pick of of round 1 and and just for for reference for you guys, let me pull it up real quick. Um like I said the draft the draft went pretty pretty standard. Uh you know, the first pick was AP, then Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch. Uh the, the the typical guys, but at number 5 is where I'm going to is where I'm going to hone in on and say it was my favorite first round pick with CJ Spiller by Nick Mencio over at At Roto World. And I, you know, it's, it, there were, there were really no bad picks in the first round in my eyes. And, and a caveat to all of this analysis, I think, that's important is, is the fact that Denny and I are not correct in, in this analysis. We're simply stating our opinions, why we think it's a bad choice, why we thought it was a good choice. I mean, who the heck knows how Cecil Schwartz is going to do at season's end? I mean, it's fantasy football. But of course, we're going to, we're going to give our, uh, Educated, thoughtful analysis on it. Uh, so, I, I like the I love the C.J. Sp- uh, Spiller pick. I wrote an article about him on LateRoundQB.com. Um, i voiced my opinion about him. He's my number two overall selection this year in both PPR and non-PPR leagues. I think uh, he's got a ton of room to grow. He only had 17 red zone carries uh, last season, and and Fred Jackson's his. He's been declining, diminishing last season. He uh, I know he was hurt, but his yards per carry was a miserable 3.8 i believe so with that with that new regime in buffalo and i don't want to say i'm excited about kevin cobb but i mean i think it's something uh i think spiller spiller could have a a big season in in 2013 yeah i mean i
1: think i as as uh as bad as cobb has been at times i think he's an upgrade and it can't hurt also i mean if the idea that fred jackson is going to be this guy who cuts into Spiller's production to the point where Spiller's not worthy of a of a high pick. I, I just don't I don't buy into that. I mean, Jackson is a, a, even healthy. He's he's a he's a plodding kind of back and I just I don't see him as 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 a huge threat. So, I I I like that pick too. Um one that stuck out to me in the first round and I've written a lot about him in the offseason is uh Matt Forte picked uh at the end of the first round, 12th pick of the first round by my friend Pat Lane, my friend and hated rival Pat Lane. Uh, so uh, I, I think that, that is, uh, that's that's a really solid pick. That's a good place to get him. Uh, I, I might go as high as, as the 10th pick, uh, maybe the 9th pick. Uh, in, a, in PPR, definitely the 8th or 9th pick of the first round. I'd go with Forte because Mark Trestman's West Coast offense uses a lot of those little dump-offs as basically a substitution for running plays. Uh, he did that a lot in Canada. He did a, a lot with Rich Gannon and Charlie Gardner in, in Oakland in 2002. So I, I think that we're going to see a, at least something similar this year in Chicago, uh, which uh, to me uh, really boosts Forte's weekly value. I, I, I don't think you're going to see the, the, uh, the, the peaks and valleys uh, like he's had in his fantasy production. I think he's going to be a lot more consistent.
0: Yeah, I think with Forte too, we kind of saw what Michael Bush is going to be like in in Chicago. And Forte's never been a goal line back, so I think I think like you said, you know, he's got a ton of value from a yardage standpoint. And Mark Trestman certainly uh, has the uh, coaching ability to to make something big out of his running backs and his offense in general.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm okay with him losing goal line carries. You know, uh, people have produced by lose you know while losing goal line carries before, so I don't see why he should be different.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, that's something that I mean I, I do want to touch on for a second is that the idea of, of getting goal line carries, I mean, clearly you want a guy, you know, if you're choosing between person A and person B and person A is getting goal line carries, person B is not, you're going to get person A, all things being equal. But I think that it, it's a little bit of an overrated statistic because there are many, many running backs out there that are being underdrafted simply because they're not getting those goal line carries, and I think... I think it's a little bit overstated considering, you know, the, they're, they're still getting in the end zone on the ground six or seven times a season, whereas a guy that's getting goal line carries at most might be getting 12. Right. So you're right. you're only losing about, you know, 30 to 40 points from touchdowns, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things isn't massive if you consider usually those non-goal line backs are very elusive and can, can do uh, big things from a yardage standpoint. So I think it's a little bit of an overrated thing, and that's why I've always been a big Forte fan.
1: Yeah, and and I look I, at it's it's great to have a Doug Martin or an Adrian Peterson who gets every, almost every single goal line carry. That's fantastic. But you know that that's why they're so valuable. That's why you're not going to get them outside the top two or three picks. So when you're down into the the end of the first round, uh, any time that I hesitate on a guy who's not going to get goal line carries, I think about drafting Jamal Charles in 2010 because I know in in in, in hindsight uh it was it was an easy pick you know obvious obvious that he had the talent that he had the opportunity but I'm telling you I mean the skepticism of of his uh potential going into that year because he lost the goal line carries here he was going to lose the goal line carries was was pretty significant and if you took him you know you you got one of the one of the best fantasy seasons of all time from a running back
0: yeah totally So uh, in that first round, like I said, there there wasn't really anything that was crazy uh, from a from what we've seen in mock drafts so far. I'm just gonna throw it out there and say that I think Calvin Johnson was the quote unquote worst pick in the first round. But I'm only saying that with a specific caveat, and that's I think uh, you know I I wrote an article on this as well. I think that with Calvin Johnson, when you select him in the latter parts, you know whether it's from if you're in a 12-team league, like pick six on. When you draft him in that position, when you when it comes back to you in the second round, you're probably going to get a running back. But in the third round, you might be handcuffing yourself a little bit at the running back position. And so I, I think there there's honest value in taking Calvin Johnson with a top three or four pick simply because you can get two very solid running backs in rounds two and three. But even those two or three spots later uh, in round three, there's a significant drop off in running backs. You're starting to get to that, like, maybe Lamar Miller-type player, a Vic Ballard kind of guy as a starter, and that's that's frightening. So, you know, it, it's a fine pick. I mean, we'll get into what uh, Sal, Sal was the one who picked that, and we'll get into what he did with his draft a little bit later, which is really interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, he, the running back situation didn't really matter for him, but I do think that we should all be careful in these snake drafts about drafting Calvin Johnson if he starts to slip to the late first. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any guys that uh, that you thought were question marks in the first round at all? Uh,
1: in the first, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah. Cal, I mean, Calvin jumps out, but uh, you know, besides that, I, you know, this was a heavy, heavy running back early draft. I mean, I, they all are, but especially this one. I, I wrote about it for Sports jerks. It's online. It, it went online this evening. Um, I think fifteen of the first twenty picks were running backs. Uh, and the uh, the the five non running backs were the usual suspects: the Gronks, the Grahams, the Calvins. So uh, uh, this was, you know, if you didn't get two stud running backs with your first two picks, you were not going to get stud running backs or anything close to it. Um, so that's why the first round just looks pretty solid. To yeah,
0: me. I think that, I mean, that's going to be a common theme throughout from now until draft time in August. I think we're going to just keep seeing those running backs early because whether people realize it or not. And again, we'll talk about this later. It's the supply and demand aspect of fantasy football. And that's, that's why these running backs are going, out some people are just drafting these running backs early because they have this feeling inside that these, they're, these running backs are more valuable, but there's actually some math and some logic that, you know, that backs up the reason to, to drafting these running backs early. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. so,
0: you know, in, in round two, again, it was a, it was a pretty standard round two. Um, one thing that I did want to point out with with my top, actually, do you want to give your top pick first in the second round?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for for me, uh, I mean, one one jumped out as uh, I'll get I'll get into that in a minute. Um, I actually think that uh, Jimmy Graham at uh, you know se- the seventh pick of the second round is really solid because now that Gronk is and and at the time we didn't know this, but now that Gronk is is questionable, maybe to start the season, um, I think that Graham kind of catapults into that area where he's going to be, you know, so much more valuable than everybody else. Uh, uh, like Gronkowski would be over 16 games. Uh, I, I, I would say that that you know that jumped out to me as probably one of those picks where I I kind of shook my head like, man, yeah, that that's exactly who I would have taken there.
0: My uh my my favorite pick that I saw was actually it, it might seem early for most, but it's Steven Jackson. I, I've got that early man crush on him. He went in the second pick in the second round, uh, by Travis Rowe, and I, I'm I'm super high on the guy. I think uh you know he's going to be taking uh, Michael Turner's spot uh, down there in Atlanta. Uh, last season alone, Michael Turner had I think 51 red zone carries, which was over 20 more than Steven Jackson did in St. Louis. I think people need to realize that Steven Jackson, we've talked about him before on the podcast, so I'm not going to bore you guys with some numbers. But, you know, Steven Jackson has been in a pretty crappy situation throughout his entire career. He's now finally going to an offense where it's like, I mean, he's going to see defenses that he's never really seen before. Uh, so I, I think he's going to reap the benefits even though he's uh, getting up there in age. But I'm, I'm a big Steven Jackson fan this year. He's a guy that I think has a high floor. Uh, he should stay healthy because he's he's proven that in the past that he can stay healthy. He's a big guy. He's a gym rat, um, and I think I think you know his ceiling is fairly high because of that touchdown uh, piece that that he didn't get necessarily as much as he could have in St. Louis.
1: Oh sure, I mean he he's going to face uh, like you said defenses that he probably hasn't seen since elementary school. So I, I think that uh, you know I think that he'll, he'll look. And see, you know, the, how the defense has to respect the the, the passing weapons, the uh, the leos and the Roddies, and 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 say, man, I can eat this eat this defense alive. And he gets a bunch of soft defenses too. I, I really do like him a lot. Yeah.
0: So who do you got? Do you have any any questionable picks in the second that you saw?
1: I I really just I don't get um, Maurice Jones Drew um, at at the you know third pick of the second round. Um not nothing against Zach Law. I mean he's a he he's he's a he's an obsessive just like all of us. So I'm I'm not saying that it, it it's that this is bound to be a disaster, but I just I mean I would I would definitely take MJD later on. I I and I don't like when people say I'm not gonna have that guy on any team this year. Because I mean you're you're basically saying I'm gonna throw out logic and objectivity and say that guy is dead to me no matter what so so don't you know don't say that i, I hear that a lot but um you know he, if he drops into the third round sure i'll scoop him up but there um i mean he went before uh ridley before mcfadden before demarco murray and frank gore david wilson i just chris johnson right i i just don't know if i would take him over any of those guys yeah
0: i, I i'm a, i'm i haven't really decided where i'm at with mjd yet I, I kind of want to just see how the off season goes and whatnot. I mean, he clearly has a decently high ceiling, considering what he's done in the past. But, uh, you know, he last year was just unfortunate. And even when he did play last year, he wasn't all that impressive, which is kind of frightening from a fantasy perspective. So I, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, my pick was, at the end of the second round, uh, Beckler selected Frank Gore, which... I, I get, I totally understand. Frank Gore just defies all all logic whenever we're we're looking at ages and carries. It's kind of a Steven Jackson case. Uh, but to me, you know, I I don't think Gore's, I, again, I don't think Gore's going to be bad. I just, if I'm looking at the way the second round went, he's a guy that, you know, probably should have gone in maybe the middle of the third round, early-ish third round rather than the end of the second. I'm kind of nitpicking here because, like I said, the draft, the draft went pretty well for the most part, you know, from a from a strategy and logic standpoint, at least in the uh, the first two rounds. Uh, but you know, he's going to be thirty next season. The Forty ers do have a solid running back group. Um, I think he's. I think he'll be fantasy relevant. I just don't know if he was worthwhile in the second round.
1: Yeah, I mean Gore Gore has been the favorite uh, favorite guy to hate among fantasy owners for a long time because you know he has the really talented Kendall Hunter behind him. He has that great offensive line that just just mauls people and opens up gaping holes for for running backs. So we've we've all rooted for his demise for a long time, uh, and but um, he's just kind of keeps on ticking. But you know it, it he's going to keep on ticking until he doesn't anymore. So you know is this the year at thirty? I mean, it's as good a chance as any. I think that that we see him break down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I've never. See, I mean, last year especially was was the one year where everyone's like, okay, Frank Gore staying away. Kendall Hunter's the man this year, I'm not getting Frank Gore. I, I remember doing drafts, and I, I did I I did drafts for some buddies last year, which I never understand. I never get that. Like that's the best part of fantasy football, and you're you're having someone else do it for you. But I remember drafting Frank Gore. I, I remember it vividly for whatever reason, but I drafted Frank Gore in round five, and. I posted it to Twitter, and I got I got hell from people on Twitter about the draft choice. And I mean, I'm not sitting here to say look who was right, but it's it that's how low Frank Gore, you know, was in people's minds. So I think he definitely uh, changed his perception last season. Uh, but again, I, I, I'm not super low on the guy.
1: Yeah, no, and but but you know why everybody was down. I mean, forty uh, ers offensive coaches were openly talking about a timeshare, timeshare with Kendall Hunter going into last uh, August and September. So you know, I mean, if 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 we 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 make all of our decisions based on incomplete information, but if you get a, a significant little nugget like that, you're going to act on it and say, you know what, I don't see Gore as an every down back because they don't see Gore as an every down back. So I I don't blame, I I really don't blame anyone for being down on him last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was down on him. I I was surprised that I picked him. I mean, you know, it's the reality of fantasy football is that this kind of stuff just happens every single year. Um, So third round, I'm going to start with this one because I'm actually talking to the guy that, that had the best pick in my eyes in the third round, Denny's pick of Reggie Bush. At the third pick in the third round, I loved. Uh, another guy who switched teams this off season. You know, Bush has this injury-prone tag associated with him. He's missed one game in the last two seasons when he was the featured back in Miami. It was the the, the two years that he actually was getting 200-plus carries. He was healthy. I think he's – I was actually – I I work with a guy who's a head football coach. I've mentioned it before for a high school. And we were talking a little bit today about – um, you know, there are, there are running backs out there that just need touches and they, they, they feed off, you know, like a green Ellis for, for instance, he just needs touches because he's a plotter. But I think at the same time, running backs just are, are looser whenever they get the ball more and they, they just, they aren't as, uh, as tense whenever they're, they're playing fewer minutes, um, or fewer snaps. I shouldn't say minutes. It sounds like I'm analyzing basketball, but, uh. You know, I, I think I think Reggie Bush. We should not associate the injury-prone tag to him uh, anymore. And I think you know we just heard Schwartz come out uh, yesterday saying that he could see him getting up to eighty receptions this year, which shouldn't be surprising to anyone, really. I mean, that's I mean, sure, that's high. Darren Sproles does it. You know, he's done it. He's averaged that since going to to New Orleans. But um, I think I think that Bush could easily take and they've already said take the the starting role from Mikel Shore uh, Lashore will probably end up being the goal line guy but hey that just goes back to our discussion about goal line backs huh so you know if it's PPR league Bush is gonna Bush should be a second round pick uh, but I, I it's a it's a steal I think from from Denny's perspective in, in the early round three I think Reggie Bush is going to be a really solid fantasy asset this year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was I was really happy with him. He was my third running back that I took. I took uh, Jamal Charles in the first, Demarco Murray in the second, and and uh, Reggie Bush in the third. And you know we have a utility. I mean uh, a flex spot. Uh, God, I'm talking like a fantasy baseball owner. Those freaks, go away, get away. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop flooding my Twitter feed. Yeah, get out of here with your talk of uh, what whatever trout is. I don't even know what that is. Um, so. Uh, uh, so I have you know three, I don't want to say stud running backs, but three guys who are going to get the majority of touches and good off and well Jamal Charles who knows but uh, with with Murray and Bush and good offenses and um, you know if this was PPR this would be absolute robbery.
0: Yeah, the the thing too with with that. Sorry for cutting you off, but the thing too is that Demarco Murray he he clearly does have that that injury prone tag. But this is insanely important, especially with the strategy that I try to preach, is that you're kind of treating these running backs as a mutual fund, and you're making sure that if one of those running backs does go down, like DeMarco Murray might, then you've got a guy like Reggie Bush that can come up and play and, and take his spot. So what Denny did, and I actually did the same thing with three running backs in the first three rounds, it's just it's making sure that you have balance throughout your lineup, and that's insanely important in fantasy football.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as far as uh, a pick that jumped out to me, and I know this just sounds like uh, JJ and I are sitting around a fire in kumbaya right now, but um, I, I really, I think I've ranted and raved about Darren Sproles and his value in that offense. Um, even in standard, I think that the eighth pick of the third round, which is where JJ drafted him, is a is a really nice value. I mean, uh, you know, he he's not a running back; he doesn't get carries, but he has a ton of value because um if you've ever watched that that Saints offense when it's really clicking especially in their 4 minute offense and and really in their 2 minute offense he just kind of just just kind of you know throws a block kind of flutters out of the backfield breeze hits him he he scoots for 12 yards and without you even noticing so uh i, I think Sproles is a is a really nice pick there and a guy who i wouldn't hesitate uh pl- you know just plugging and playing all year
0: yeah. By the way, Denny and I are going to share a milkshake with two straws after or with one straw after this. Uh...
1: Right. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's our that's our our post show tradition, I thought. Yeah,
0: so. that's true. That's <laughs> true. We, we do. I, we do meet halfway between Cincinnati and the D.C. area and we uh, we, we share
1: milkshakes. Right. Right. I drink your milkshake as <laughs> this, is, this
0: is where the pod's been going. Uh yeah, so you know, I was I was very excited to get Sprouls. I like I said, I got three running backs in the first three rounds. I got Ray Rice and Chris Johnson in the first two. Not super excited about either of them necessarily. They're just kind of whatever picks. Um but you'll see actually throughout this whole draft I had a very unsexy draft. But sometimes that sometimes that works. Mm-hmm. Um the one thing with Darren Sprouls, I just posted an article about this about him is his consistency. Holy crap. If you even in standard leagues, I didn't even look at PPR leagues, in standard leagues Darren Sproles is just as efficient from a week to week standpoint as almost any other running back in the league. And when you get that, if you get that as your RB2 or if you get that as your flex, that's insane. I mean, you can get you can get some great value. And then if you're in a PPR league just like Reggie Bush, they're going to be second round picks, I would assume.
1: Yeah, you got to you got to get them early. Don't I, I you know, don't mess around with with the Sproles and the and the and the bushes and the Fortes in in PPR this year, they're they're going to go. Especially if you're in a really knowledgeable league, they're going to go real early. So don't don't bank on them being you know kind of falling slipping a little bit.
0: All right, well that was that's that's round three, kind of in a nutshell. All, some, one notable uh, in round three, Drew Brees did go to Lord Reeves uh, at the seventh pick in the third round. That was probably the the. Am, am I looking at that right? Yeah. Yes. That was that was uh, one one notable thing. I guess we didn't talk about the worst player or the worst pick in the third round. Did you have...
1: Um, uh, worst pick... Uh, I feel like we're going to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're my boy Nick, but Ryan Matthews at 3-5, at I just don't... Um, I just don't see him there. I, I, would take, I would take quite a few people over. And, you know, that's the thing about not drafting. If you don't draft a, a running back in the first two rounds then you kind of feel that panic, that little that little tightening of the collar in the third round when you're when you're looking and you're seeing uh, you're seeing uh Met Ryan Matthews and Jonathan Stewart and a few you know, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis and you're and you're kinda if I don't get these guys, then who am I gonna get? You know, DeWan Harris or something, you know? So um I but I still don't take Matthews I wrote about it on sports jerks where even cherry picking his stats showed that last year was a complete and utter failure for him.
0: Yeah. I had I had Ryan Matthews. I don't know why I figured that we would have the same one because I forgot that you're not that you're not even close to a Matthews fan. I had Jonathan Stewart. He went at the end of the third. It's kind of cheating because it was a it was a turn pick. Oh yeah so yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. a little bit of a of a cheat. Uh, but I went I went Jonathan Stewart just because uh you know it, it looks like Will, D'Angelo might be back next year after all. And what what is can this just
1: stop? Ru-
0: does Carolina not realize that they're ruining fantasy football?
1: Oh my God, D'Angelo Williams has been ruining my fantasy life since I was like in sixth grade. Can he just? <laughs> I
0: feel like it's been forever, right? Just go. But then, but then he had that one year where he finishes the top running back in fantasy, and it's like it's, it's like nobody nobody really saw it coming. I mean, but then this Jonathan Stewart D'Angelo Williams thing is completely ruining fantasy football.
1: I just don't. I don't want any part of it anymore. I'm done. Me I'm, either. That's. I, I
0: mean, that's part of the reason why I just don't like the pick. But you know, there's. I would probably uh, over Jonathan Stewart this, this coming year. I think it's it's way too early to take him at the end of the third. I'd probably rather have a guy like Vic Ballard, maybe. Uh, Lamar Miller. Um, I'm a big Vic Ballard guy for some reason. I've talked about him in a couple podcasts. I don't I don't know. It's You really are <laughs> This is when this is when you really need to just separate that, that emotion towards a player. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. I Did- need to get I need someone to like put some sort of spell on me to get me away from Vic Ballard.
1: I, I kind of feel the same way about Lamar Miller. I feel like I feel like he like he's the guy I'm going to draft in, in a lot of leagues where I'm like, "Oh yeah, here we go." No 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 one even knows about Lamar, you know. And and then I'll plug him in and be, pretend he's a starter. He'll get like four touches in week 1. Oh my god. I'm already I'm already pissed.
0: The Vic Ballard thing is attractive to me because he he finished, I believe, as a top uh 25. I think he was like a 25th ranked back or something last year, but he, he did it with only a couple touchdowns. And if, if that turns around and Pep Hamilton, new offensive coordinator is going to probably have a more balanced offense. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I like Vic Ballard, but that's, that's probably not relevant to this podcast right now. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so round four starts. I'm, I'm going to say my, fa- I, I'll, I'll start again. I'm just kind of dominating this conversation right
1: now. It's bad. But uh, no, no, no. Listen, I, I'll just get my own get milkshake. Oh uh, no yeah,
0: okay, yeah. Can you grab the milkshake two and a half hours away, and then <laughs> and then I'll meet. You? Okay. Um. So I I went with uh with Zach Law's pick of Victor Cruz. Um, let's see. He got him in the third pick in the fourth round, which seems seems very reasonable. Um. I I think you know Ruben Randall's probably gonna take that Mario Manningham role, which. When that was the case, uh, Victor Cruz had a great season. Uh, Eli Manning played awful down the stretch last season. There, there were this the four games, I think, three or four games. From a fantasy perspective, he was miserable, but from a real football perspective, he was also miserable. It was that, you know, I think he played the Steelers and the Bengals and, and the Ravens, the AFC North apparently. But uh, so I, I love the Victor Cruz pick. You know he has 19 touchdowns in the last two seasons? I mean, that's that's – pretty fantastic
1: that that kind of scares me though i i I was uh looking at um at his touchdown rate and it he seems like a prime of course last year he seemed like a prime regression candidate kind of getting back to normal kind of touchdown numbers but um you know ppr i think that he can uh kind of maintain that big value even if he doesn't score 10 touchdowns this year which you know likely he won't uh but you're right his touchdowns his touchdown rate has been off the charts
0: yeah, I I actually I, I knew that he was scoring. I just didn't know it was that significant. And he, you know, he still got over a thousand yards last year. I think he's a solid pick. He's he's fairly safe, um, and hopefully Knicks will be healthy, uh, which is a big a big hope. Which he's your boy on this on this uh, yeah, yeah. in this draft.
1: Yeah, I got him for a discount.
0: Yeah, you did. I think he's going to be a discount guy definitely throughout the se-
1: or throughout drafts this year.
0: So who, who did you kind of pinpoint as your favorite pick in the fourth?
1: Um, well, I like at the, at the end, at uh, the 11th pick of the fourth round, uh, um, John, John Beckler picked up uh, Wes Welker. And, you know, um, I read uh, something the other day about Peyton Manning's, the, 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 uh, the percentage of Peyton Manning's throws that were 10 yards or less last year. And, you know, I think that that has to do, A, with, with the offensive runs, but B, with the with the arm strength that he's lost, I mean anybody who watched him, especially at the end of last year, could see that um, he couldn't put the you know uh, put the mustard on that fastball like he used to, um, and uh, and and it and it really showed, especially on throws you know toward the sideline, uh, deep throws um, seemed to kind of flutter. So you know West Welker doesn't thrive on any of that. He thrives on the on you know thinking and Duncan mostly. So. I, I don't. I really don't see any reason Wes Welker uh, doesn't catch you know 85 passes this year. And um, if I had any guts in me, I'd say 100. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with <laughs> then, 85 for now, for now.
0: Then on the flip side of that, who was your least favorite selection in that round?
1: Um, you know, and th- this is this is funny, and we'll get to this at the end. But uh, uh, Sal uh, Sal's pick of Pierre Garcon, I thought was. Was a little too early at at the seventh pick of the fourth round. Garcon is crazy efficient. He is RG three's boy. I mean, they they were unbelievable when they got to play together last year. Uh, so it, he's not going to you know regret it deeply or anything. Um, I just I think that at the time you know he he had drafted a wide receiver. Um, no, I'm sorry, three three wide receivers to start. He, had, he got
0: he had Jimmy Graham.
1: Oh, right. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, he didn't have a running back, so I, I would have gone, gone running back there and then, uh, you know, gotten someone a, a little later, um, instead of Garcon. Uh, but again, you know, I, uh, I, we'll, we'll tell you at the end of this little discussion, but it worked out for Sal.
0: Yeah. You know, I just, I want to pin, I want to cheat again and take the, uh, last pick in the fourth and talk about that for a second. Eric Decker went, uh, and at the end of the fourth round, and that's that's three Denver wide receivers drafted in the first four rounds of this draft, which is pretty crazy. I think we've talked, we talked about it in the free agency pod that we did, but Decker's going to take probably the biggest hit uh, with the Welker signing. So I, I'm just, I'm a little bit hesitant to, to draft him that soon when there's guys like Marcus Colston or Jordy Nelson or, or guys that have pretty high ceilings uh, or consistent guys like Colston. Who who you could take ahead of Decker? So that just to you know it's not a horrible pick, but I would definitely uh, look at a different wide receiver if that was the route you were going.
1: I agree. I I think I think if you rode Decker to fantasy glory last year, uh, then um, you you better know when to divest. Um, I think I think that he can't match those numbers again.
0: Um. But but again, you know, he's he's a bigger receiver than Wes Welker, so he's he could still see um red zone targets, but I don't think he'll see as many targets as he did last year. Right. Uh round five, do you want to kick that one off?
1: Uh yeah. Um as far as uh a pick that stood out to me as as better than, than others, um, well, you know what, I'm gonna choose someone else. I, I was gonna say uh Aaron Rodgers being picked at at the eighth pick of the of the fifth round by by JJ who i mean really probably threw up all over himself when he had to do that but but it but it was the correct call and i talk about this in the summary article uh just because you talk you know you talk about uh the value of of, of late round of drafting quarterbacks late um doesn't mean you shouldn't take the the best there is when he drops to an unbelievable level here so um i think that that was that was the right pick obviously um I'd have to say, uh, uh, I'm, I'm struggling here. I don't want to. I don't want to say my own pick because that's just douchey. Uh, so I'll go with Marcus Colston as someone at the first pick of the fifth round. Um, Col- Colston in the Rotoviz Similarity Score app s- does scores really well. Um, you know, pro- is a proven value at his current ADP um and i i can uh get into that a little later when i have uh some numbers to back it up but um trust me when i tell you marcus colston is a is a value right now
0: yeah i totally agree with the the colson pick there and in the you know we'll we'll get into the aaron rogers thing and and uh the quarterback philosophy a little bit we'll touch on it later but you know the the idea in the 5th round i actually i was taking a road trip back to pittsburgh for the weekend And uh, I, you know, I went to my, the house I was, I grew up in, whatever, and I went up to my room and opened up my laptop and I, it was between, and I saw the draft and it was between Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in Pittsburgh and I still couldn't pick Antonio Brown. Like how, how could I pick Antonio Brown over Aaron Rodgers? I hate the people on, on Reddit that say that. And they're like, how can, how can you pick Ryan Matthews over Drew Brees? How does that work? Well, I mean it's clearly about value, but right now I'm I'm going to make that that comparison because it's on paper it's just absurd. So I I really couldn't pass up Rodgers' value there. Uh, I think you know once August hits and we will say this time after time, once August hits and real drafts are going on, you're not going to see these quarterbacks slipping. And once you see people who maybe aren't degenerates like we are drafting Right. Uh, you're going to see quarterbacks going earlier as well because they have these, this high perceived value.
1: Right. But that's listen, that's a good thing. I, I do want to let people know that w- when they're drafting with their buddies, with their coworkers, and you see quarterbacks just flying off the board early, it, it's very natural to panic, to, to say, oh, my God, uh, uh, seven quarterbacks have been picked in the first 20 picks. I have to get one before they're all gone. That's the, that is the time to, to remain calm, take stock up on your running backs, on your, on your uh, wide receivers, uh, look for uh, you know, one of the elite tight ends, um, and get a quarterback later. The, a, a run on quarterbacks is the best thing that ever happened to you.
0: Yeah, totally. All, all that's happening when there's a run on quarterbacks is they're devaluing those players because there's, an, there's a market value for those players, they're reaching for those players, so now they're getting less out of that slot in their, in their draft. Um, so I guess quickly, I, I, we won't we won't touch on uh, round six. We'll just go through round five uh, for time purposes. But I do want to point out that this was the round that Sal finally got his running back. <laughs> and, and to all of our, uh, I, I, I was confused a little bit, but he I, there, there really wasn't anyone there, so I can't really fault him. But he picked Ahmad Bradshaw in the fifth round, which he probably could have gotten him a lot later than he did, but he. Two kind of hit the panic button because it was already the fifth round and he didn't have his running back. But you know, Sal turned you know he turned it into an article on late round qb dot com. Give it a read. It's 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 really fun to to just kind of look at these different strategies and see how they pan out. And Denny actually put point projections. You want to talk about that really quick?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the end of the draft, um, my uh, despised rival Pat and I put together. Um, point projections from Pro Football Focus um, that and and uh, took the starting lineup from each uh, participant in the mock draft and added up the points. And of course, Sal, who didn't take a running back until the fifth round, and when he did, he takes a running back who is on you know is, is on no team, is on his local flag football team. And uh, and he scored more points than anyone. He beat me by a point, which I'm not bitter about at all. Trust me, I didn't lose sleep. I didn't cry in the shower. I didn't punch my cat. I didn't do any of that. So, uh, you know, Sabat Salah scored more than anybody, and he went wide receiver and tight end heavy. Um, so, uh, you know, good for him, and and it shows that obviously there's not there's not one way to draft. Uh, even though it's it. It seems like going running back heavy is the is the safest option right now,
0: right, yeah, I think that's that's the key there is that it's about safety and and risk aversion whenever you are able to load up on those running backs, like I said, if you're treating them as mutual funds, so you know it's insanely interesting that he ended up having the the highest point total, but but you know at the same time it's obviously doesn't account for depth and and that sort of thing, so it's still you know it's still a uh you know that's not us going out there and saying, Hey guys, wait till the fifth or sixth round to get your first running back. Cause you know, Danny Woodhead could be a great, great RB too.
1: Yeah, no, don't, don't do that. And, and the projections, I mean, obviously we all know how projections work. They, they don't mean much, uh, uh, this time of year, but, but just, it's, it was an interesting way of seeing, you know, what, what kind of starting lineup, uh, can, can each person put together taking, you know, divergent paths. So, um, you know, Congrats to Sal for kind of kind of going out on a limb and, uh, and 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 getting wide receivers early.
0: Yeah, it was it's pretty crazy. Um, so that kind of wraps up the first five rounds. Like I said, nothing too too insane. I'd say the Bradshaw thing was the craziest part. Um, but I I did want to talk about um, what happened past round five and in, you know from rounds five through fourteen before everyone started picking their kickers and defenses. Uh, actually, the draft is still going on, but nobody really is paying attention because they're drafting, uh, you know, Kai Forbath and just random kickers <laughs> random and defenses. So uh, one thing that, that was very evident throughout the draft is tight ends and where they're being drafted at. You kind of have five top tight ends. Uh, you got Gronk, Graham, Hernandez, Tony G., and uh who's the other one I'm missing? Yeah,
1: yeah. Jason, Witten.
0: Jason Witten. Jason Witten, yeah. So you got you have these five tight ends and you're only starting one of them. So Denny, I'll let you take the floor here and just kind of explain what this podcast is actually going to be about come uh come NFL season, but just kind of explain what this means for the tight end position.
1: Yeah, so obviously you, if you're listening to this, you know it's called Living the Stream. It's. Uh, I know we, we we've we've kind of uh, um, you know talked a little bit here and there about why we call it that, but what we'd uh, what we'd like to do in, in the, uh, during the season and, and in the weeks before the season is talk about streaming options um, for for three positions uh, for defense, which is obviously something that that almost everybody does uh, for tight ends, which is not something that traditionally not a position that's traditionally streamed. And and even you know for for people who are confident in their decision making abilities, even quarterbacks because they, I think I think quarterback has become a, a streaming opportunity. If you don't have one of the the four, five, or six uh, top guys who are you know easy plug in, and plays every week, so just basing um, with tight ends, and I've written a lot about this for, for the fake football this offseason, season with tight ends, you have a lot of guys scoring tight end one numbers, which uh, just to be clear, because uh, I know that you kind of get wonky here, that means uh, top 12 numbers. So they're, they're among the 12 best um, tight ends uh, in a given week. Um, there are a lot of viable tight end options. And I actually, I took Aaron Hernandez in this mock draft because he was available at a, at a discount late in the fifth round. And I was I was fine with that but there are a lot of teams in in this mock who ended up with really good streaming options. And, um, uh, for instance, uh, uh, JJ ended up with uh, Jermaine Gresham and Brandon Pettigrew. Uh, I I can definitely see a situation where you just swap one for the other according to matchup. And the the matchups are easy to tell. In the first three or four weeks of a season, you can see which defenses are struggling against tight ends uh and um and you know base your decision on that. Um there was another team that said, uh, oh uh uh John uh John Beckler has Dustin Keller and Martellus Bennett. That that's a great streaming combo. I mean uh y- either one of those guys could uh could easily be top ten options for a given week depending on their matchup. So um uh, if if you don't get one of the top guys, tight end is definitely not a position on which to panic the, this summer. Relax. Wait till the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. Pick up two. Pick up two tight ends late, and and just alternate them as as necessary. Uh, I think that streaming them is the is the way to go, and, and that's really what we're hoping to talk about on this pod.
0: Yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's a great point. It's one of the keys to fantasy football in my eyes, and I know in Denny's eyes too. Because what it does is is it allows your team to maximize its value, and you might be sitting there thinking it's impossible to choose a tight end who's going to produce favorable numbers. And, you know, we're going to sit here and tell you that's not necessarily the case. And we're hopefully going to give you some options at quarterback and tight end and defense, uh, you know, once the season starts that, that you can slot in your lineup and say say confidently, yeah, this guy's going to put up 50 yards and a touchdown and be a tight end one uh, in a given week. And I, I think what's important with tight ends – and why it's it's probably more accepting with tight ends than it is quarterbacks is because tight ends don't score as many points as quarterbacks do. So just inherently, there's less variation between mm-hmm. the best tight end and the and the twelfth best tight end. So in that that even includes Gronkowski. You know that that he's he's a monster, sure, and he scores a ton of touchdowns. But you know the other year was the first time I think that any tight end has ever gone over two hundred fantasy po- standard fantasy points. So right. it, you know, but with quarterbacks you just get more variation, but Kind of to the same point, the, the the quarterback streaming philosophy, people see that you get, people think that you get more variation, but really the floor for quarterbacks is higher. So you have, uh, you know, twenty one different quarterbacks through the ball thirty or more times a game on average last season, and uh, you know, I'll I'll talk a little bit up, I guess now about the Roto World article that I just published uh, about the supply and demand of quarterbacks, and it's insanely important because you you have this giant group of quarterbacks that you can plug and play every single week. But yet there are so many people that are afraid and they, they don't want to rely on Tony Romo or they don't want to rely on Andrew Luck or they don't want to rely on uh, Andy Dalton or Josh Freeman or these random quarterbacks. But I'm not telling you that you need to rely on them. You're only relying on them when they play, uh, you know, the, the saints, you're only relying on them when they're playing these defenses that don't know how to defend against quarterbacks and it's a lot easier to pinpoint those guys than you would think. So, I think part of part of the whole idea with living the stream and streaming in general is that look, this is fantasy football. You're not starting the same team week in week out. If you were doing that, we wouldn't be playing it because it would be one of the most boring games in the history of the world. You'd be drafting a team and just never touching it and never really paying attention to it ever again. But luckily, you can be that GM and you can make, you know, you can trade or you could you could slot in a guy from your bench into your lineup, or you can pick a guy up off the waiver wire, and that's going to happen because it happens every single season. So, with living the stream, we're going to give you those options. Uh, Denny will be the tight end and defense. I, i you know, maybe we'll mi- I'll mix in some tight end stuff too. Denny was a monster with defenses last year, by the way, just <laughs> just for the record. And Hi. Hi. and then hopefully, you know, I'll be able to give you some some quarterback insight. But I, I, the biggest. The biggest thing with streaming is confidence and it's it's going in and looking at your lineup and seeing that Carson Palmer is your starting quarterback and not feeling ashamed about it and not thinking that you need to trade uh you know Carson Palmer in a top tier running back for Aaron Rodgers just to make your lineup look better mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's that's an important aspect uh to fantasy and hopefully we're gonna help you guys out throughout the season
1: exactly yeah and and you know I think the people with quarterbacks. They they mistake real football for fake football or vice versa when they when when look at there's nothing more important than quarterback in real football that that doesn't translate to fantasy you know it's okay to start Chad Henney when he has a really nice matchup Um, I I I started a bunch of guys who you know who were at times horrible uh, last season Uh, Christian Ponder uh, for me, was was more than serviceable for three games in the early going. Uh, so th- this is this is a real workable strategy that I I hope that we can kind of guide you through. Um, just like you trust advice, you know about about defenses, streaming defenses. I think that you should also embrace the same man- mentality for tight ends and and even quarterbacks. It might take a while, but I think that I think people will come around on that. So you know, I wrote this
0: this article on Roto World about. Uh, supply and demand, and and like Denny said, you know, a tight end one is is the twelfth ranked tight end. Well, a QB one would be a twelfth ranked quarterback or higher, and because of that, that's the demand. You have twelve guys that are in demand every week in fantasy football, whereas at running back and receiver, you have two or three on each team that you're going to be starting in a given week. So just because of that demand side, you can already tell quarterbacks aren't really in that high of demand because there are only one on per team 12 in a 12 team league being started every week. And you look at this, this new influx of, of young talent and it just, it should make you just not just, it should make you angry when you see guys draft quarterbacks early, because there's just no point. You could be the last guy to select a quarterback in a draft and you're still going to get a guy that's, that's like Andrew luck. And that's, that's phenomenal. It's great value.
1: Yeah. Andrew Luck went in the 11th round of our mock, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's insane. And Eli Manning, I think, went in, like, the 14th. Yeah. Like, that. that's insanity. Eli Manning could, could not easily, but Eli Manning could finish as a top-five quarterback. I don't think that you, I don't, like, I don't think you, I mean, you could clearly argue it, but I don't think you can say that I'm completely wrong by saying there's there's a chance that Eli Manning finishes as a top-five quarterback. I mean, he's done it before. He's he's He almost threw 5,000 yards two years ago. I mean... Sh- which, which—the year of the quarterback, more like the year of not playing defense.
1: Yeah, it fooled everybody. I know, f- including me.
0: Yeah, fooled everyone, and luckily, I—I I pushed my, my dogma.
1: <laughs> your your religion.
0: My religion. That's right. <laughs> uh, so you know, last pod we didn't we didn't end with rants, but this time we are. Yay! Yay! So Denny, what is, has there been something that's kind of been bothering you recently?
1: Yeah, you know, I actually I I didn't mean to, but I actually I kind of gave a, a sneak peek earlier when I when I talked about people uh, proclaiming that they will not draft the guy no matter what. Um, I I hear that so much this time of year on Twitter. Uh, like when I wrote that Ryan Matthews piece, I got a lot of. You know Matthews did me in last year. I'm never having him on my team again. I just I think that you are uh, you're you're already kind of undermining your 2013 season when you're crossing guys off the list, right? Yeah. Um, I think that this is you know you should never say that this guy is dead to me. You should always consider him a viable player if he drops to the right spot. Um, it might it may be more comfortable to, to say those things because, uh, a, it, it feels good to say like, I'm getting revenge on this guy as if Ryan Matthews, you know, <laughs> gives two craps if he's on your fantasy team, uh, this year. Uh, but, um, uh, and it also, it also kind of, um, makes things easier, uh, for you this year by saying, uh, you know what? There are only, uh, certain guys who I'm willing to draft, uh, and these are the guys, and the, and, and the, the, the dead-to-me guys are over here, and I'm not taking them even if they fall, even if their ADP plummets in the, in the weeks before the season. And I think that that's, uh, that's kind of natural. I, it, it seems like kind of a human nature thing to want to make things. You want to simplify a very complicated thing. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's going to serve anybody well. So when you, uh, when you see an article written about a guy uh, saying how great he is or how terrible he is, uh, just just kind of store it away. But, but don't let that determine exactly what you're going to do uh, with that guy in the draft in three or four months from now. Uh, uh, just everybody relax on the dead-to-me lists, okay? Thank you. That's good. That's
0: good advice. I think that one thing that, you know, uh, you and I are, you know, fantasy writer X – whoever will often say I'm not going to own, I don't know, Pierre Garcon this year. But what we're, what what we're really saying is I'm not going to own Pierre Garcon given his ADP. Right. And I think that's, that's key. Uh, when you're, when you're reading different analysis on the interwebs.
1: Yeah, no, if you see that on, if you see me or JJ or anyone else say, uh, uh, Garcon is not going to be on many, many of my teams this year. We're not saying we don't want him. We're saying that we don't want him at his current value at 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 the at his current spot, which to us doesn't seem like a value.
0: Right, Garcon's still better than Jericho Cattrie,
1: uh, barely. But barely, yeah.
0: that's right. He's he's <laughs> he's just a little bit better, especially now. If Emmanuel Sanders leaves, then he's. I mean, Cattrie's ADP is just going to skyrocket.
1: Dude, I'm so tired of hearing about Emmanuel Sanders. By the way, yeah. I, I mean, the the this is where we are right now in <laughs> in football season. I saw four thousand tweets today about Emmanuel Sanders. I just can't I can't deal with it right now. I I need to go live in a cabin in the woods for a while. I'm
0: a I'm a diehard Steelers fan and I can't handle it anymore. I mean it 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 directly impacts my team immensely and I don't even care anymore. It's insane. Just People just need to get over it. Um so. My email, or sorry, my email. My rant is about emails about the late round quarterback strategy. Now, I love getting emails from people with questions. Don't get me wrong, I I, I absolutely love it. I think it's a it's humbling that people actually give a crap about what I have to say about fantasy football. And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the questions that I get are great. They're legitimate, and hopefully, the answers I provide are, are helpful. But then that extra point one percent. That can be incredibly annoying. So, you know, just yesterday, that my newest piece on Roto World and that quarterback series went out about su- the supply and demand of quarterbacks, and I got an email from someone, and you know, I'm not going to mention that person's name, obviously, and and the email just had a list of questions, right? Like a lot of questions. It wasn't just like, "Hey, do you what do you think of Carson Palmer in Arizona?" It was what do you think of Carson Palmer and Arizona's ADP, and how does this affect the rest of the, the field? And, the, and it was just out of control. And now, you know, I, I get that that, that person... Uh, another thing, too, is that in that email, he was asking me questions that were, uh, you know, answered in the article itself. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, did, did this guy just completely not read this article? And he just emailed me. And I'm like, okay, that kind of stuff happens. I mean... You could you could be skimming it, or maybe I'm not doing a good job at articulating what I'm trying to say. Um, it's you know it's no big deal, uh, but but then whenever I respond and, and give some detail around the questions that this person asks, don't get don't give me an email back telling me that I'm wrong. So <laughs> I so so I, I answered this guy and he emails me back and he tells me that I'm incorrect. And I'm sitting there and I just couldn't help but think this guy took. 20 to 30 minutes at least writing up this email. It was insane how long it was. And he asked me the questions and he was getting mad at me. So it goes back to that idea that I've ranted about before that, you know, first off, that's ignorant. Second of all, you know, I, I, no one's right in fantasy football. You, can, you can't be right or wrong at this point in fantasy football. You can't be right or wrong at Saturday before a Sunday game in fantasy football because nothing's happened yet. You know you can, you can do research, which which Denny and I have done. You could do some work, but I'm all about hearing the other side of the argument, as long as it's not an ignorant side of the to the argument. Um, you know, it's it, it's you kind of have to be open to that kind of stuff um, when you're writing, and it, you're not going to get any better if you don't listen to that other side. But when I get a question, and I answer it, and then that person tells me I'm wrong, I just I just don't get it. So I just have to ask you guys, can we just calm down a little bit? Cause it's just fantasy football. At least like I'll at least take that kind of response in September, but it's April. We need to relax, chill out. It's done.
1: I, I do. I do think that, it, the, that, that sort of intensity this time of year is that that's uncalled for. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the things we don't know, uh, as, as, uh, as, Rum, uh, as Donald Rumsfeld once said, uh, there are a lot of known unknowns that we don't know about. So, that's right. you know, let's just can we wait until we we think we know something in August until we we start, you know, uh, having Twitter flame wars that that's what I would prefer.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm all about I really am. I'm all about the the argument side of fantasy football and and letting people know how I feel about a certain uh, strategy or situation or, you know, a player or whatnot. But at the same time, if you think that you it not only, it, you're emailing a guy who wrote an article, who answers all your questions, and you reply telling that person that he's wrong. If you didn't agree with him to begin with, why were you writing that email? It's just...
1: That's uh, uh, the, the the troll under the bridge, man. He got to you.
0: He did. He got to me. He's, he's like another smot, man. Smot. God, it's so bad. So that does it for this uh, this episode. I think this is number six, right? Five, yeah, five or it, six. Yeah.
1: We're getting yeah, up there. We'll, uh, we'll have them with, with uh, increasing frequency as the, as the season draws near. So you know, everybody relax. All, all of our millions of lists, just, just calm down.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you guys uh, more frequently, like you said. Hopefully, exactly. hopefully weekly so we can tell you who those streaming options are. So, uh, Denny, where can they find you at?
1: Uh, you can find me at sportsjerks.net, uh, thefakefootball.com um I write for Rotoviz once in a while and it, it has a lot of really great tools that I suggest to check out and um yeah, on Twitter at @cdcarter13
0: sweet yeah I'm I'll back you up with that Rotoviz uh stuff cuz it's definitely some of the best uh content <clears throat> out there right now in, in the fantasy world uh and you know you can find me at late round QB on Twitter uh lateroundqb.com and I'm um, writing for Pro Football Focus Fantasy as well. So Denny, I think it's time that you and I go meet for a milkshake.
1: All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be sure to uh, bring the single straw and uh, we can continue this uh, tradition of ours. That There's nothing wrong with this tradition, by the way.
0: Nothing. Nothing at all. And by the way, the midpoint between Cincinnati and, and the D.C. area is in West Virginia. So that's where I'm headed right
1: now. All right, well, let's go to the, uh, the casino in West Virginia. I, I can I can exercise some of my degenerate demons there. Yeah,
0: that sounds great. All right, guys, we're off to the casino. We'll 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 uh, see you guys soon. I
1: told Bye-bye. Up to the house about seven or eight, and I yelled
0: to the cabin, of your home, smell you later. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the prince of Air.